They got uh, Transformers where Optimus Prime is an asshole. Just oh, God. Of... I just saw that trailer. Yeah, I'm I sorry. I have not seen it. Uh, until yesterday when mm-hmm. it was attached to fences because they know their target audience. <laughs> it was so bizarre. It was like people were rising for the national anthem at the beginning yeah. of a sporting event. Like everyone just hears the cowbell and heads yep. for dinner because it's time to leave this fucking theater after this dog shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we're going to be discussing a little bit of 2016, a little bit of 2017, and also talking about the films Jackie and Fences. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome into episode 95 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my brothers. Hey! <laughs> Nick Cheney. I demand a blood test. What? And a birth certificate. It's the only way to be sure. Yes. I'm just uncomfortable with the <laughs> implication. What? That I'm an alien? No. Uh, it's more about brothers, I think, and that you happen to be black. Yeah. There's a movie called Four Brothers. There is. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Marky Mark. Oh, Who else? Tay Diggs? Yeah. yeah. And I've seen that. Oh, I've seen it quite a few times. Mm. I've seen when, the ending to that. That was weird. Is Ethan Hawke in that? I think so. Okay. And then, uh, God, who's the fourth? We've got, uh, you know what? I'm going to get our best go reference old... librarian on this. I think it might be Terrence Howard. Ooh, that's... that's... That doesn't sound right. I Maybe feel like he's the, he's the cop. Ah, there that's you right. go. He is in that? I believe so. Oh, man, fuck him. I remember him, like, investigating the four brothers, I think. So, if you were enjoying this little format of us just kind of being Garrett all over Hedlund. the place. I, who? So sorry. Garrett Hedlund, I forgot. Oh. Uh, he's that, the young brother. From so, Tron. So, it's Marky Mark, yeah. Garrett Hedlund, <laughs> yep. Tyrese Gibson, okay. and Andre 3000. Oh. And then, yeah, Terrence Howard is the Lieutenant Green. Okay. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor is in there. Josh Charles, man, this is a really stacked cast. Yeah, Garrett, is he the one who's in that? But I see no Ethan Hawke. Oh, I, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of Brooklyn's finest. Yeah, Brooklyn's or finest has yeah. him in it. Is a uh, Garrett? Is he the one uh, who's going to be in that new Luke Besson film? Uh, which one, Garrett Hedlund? The Valerian yeah. film. Yes. Is that him? Him and what what's we... her face from Suicide Squad? Kara uh, Delevingne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if that's him or somebody else. I'm oh, not sure. We're gonna find this out too. See, because I'm pretty sure he's the one who played that one villain in that terrible second Spider-Man film with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, he plays. Uh... Uh, no, it's Dane DeHaan. Ah, Dane DeHaan. So it is the guy. That from is Dane DeHaan. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. but Garrett Hedlund is a. They're Dane... all they're all the same. Dane DeHaan yeah. is the uh, main guy from Chronicle. Yeah, that's what I like him. He's in. also uh, like you were saying. He's the um, he's not Norman Osborn. He's something Harry Harry Osborn. Yeah, yeah. the non James Franco yes. version. Yeah, he yeah. also does a great stint on season three of HBO's In Treatment. Oh, cool. Anyway, he's like a really good actor 
if the right people cast him. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. Agreed. Yes. Hey, we're going to get more Keanu next I, year. I was going to say, uh, if you like the <laughs> format of us just kind of shooting the shit and not giving a fuck, it's you're in luck because this whole episode <laughs> is going to be a total disaster. It will be. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Because be uh, really... This has morphed into an episode where we're just kind of going to talk about 2016 a little bit, look ahead to next year, obviously hoping for better, for better movies and less white people dying, and also um, talk about a couple films. Uh, Myself and Toussaint went and saw Jackie this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And Nick, I was went, supposed to go see it, and you didn't because you're a bad person. No, no it it's because uh, I when I was I know that I was, was going to get there. I was going to go see Jackie, yes. but uh, on my way there, something happened in my car that I don't want to. Oh, that was an assassination joke. Oh, <laughs> what too soon? Oh my god! <laughs> but no, when I got to the theater, I did not realize that Jackie was a uber popular movie and. Uh, both showings were sold out. I will say... I waited till the last day, so I'm an idiot. Well, yeah. Uh, I will say that's really the only theater that it's playing in in the area, mm-hmm. and it is a very small theater that they've crammed it in at that location. Well, true, so. but that location is not giving clear signals as to whether they actually well, that's made that jump to the small theater. That location yeah. is a horrible movie theater. It is. So, it is. And the only we're reason looking I... at you, Rigo and Warrenville. <laughs> Tried to dance around, but then all in. Call nope. the names. I'm in. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, so anyway. So uh, anyways, we're yeah, going to so talk about that. We saw Jackie, and you saw Fences, and mm-hmm. throughout the episode, we'll hit on both of those films at some point. I mm-hmm. think when we do the review of mm-hmm. each movie, we should maybe kind of do like one sentence each, and then just alternate between our reviews. I think that'd be kind of cool, maybe a little avant-garde. Mm. You can do that. Think about it. Yeah, we'll think about that. We'll see what happens when we get there. Yeah. Give it a shot, and if it... Crashes and burns. We'll try mm-hmm. something different. There we go. There it is. There's no rules here. This isn't a test. Yeah. Do you know a movie that's from? I forget. It's from Catch Me If You Can. Oh. I still need to see that. You've never seen that? <clears throat> no, it's pretty seen. good. Yeah. It's very Steven Spielberg-y. In a good way. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with The Current, which is 2016. Obviously, a lot of celebrity slash actor, actress deaths this year. What a shit year. Yeah, although I did like our friend Brian, who uh, had a retweet today uh, surrounding something in the terms of, oh yeah, everyone's saying the 2016, but really it's just a collection of days that happen to be in the same year that yeah. we've decided it was. Well, not so. to mention, if you notice an uptick in you know beloved figures, the statistics <laughs> back up the fact that this is not abnormal. I mean, it's abnormal when it happened to Anton Yelchin and, you know, whatever, but... Um, this... But, but you know, there are young... So we're going to get worse. ...deaths every... Yeah, probably. Yeah. Young person deaths every year. I mean, look at, like, Paul Walker, um, Heath yeah. Ledger, that kind of thing. Now, the Carrie Fisher and the following day, Debbie Reynolds' deaths, that was a little yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was a little fucked up, God. It, it's, it's not... Like going going back to the whole like the year being just a series of days that we've sort of like cordoned off to like signify this is this year and then there's the next year and the year before that. Like Debbie Reynolds was how how old when she passed? She was eighty four. She was eighty four. So yeah. I'm I don't mean to say this as as being cruel. It's like there's 
I, I just want to get it all the way out. It's like, you know, she was already... Here's Toussaint with... It was her time. No, she was already... It, it, she was not going to live another two decades. It was yeah. like... White genocide. No, god damn it. Anyway, she had already lived the the greater longevity of her life, and it, it seemed like... It's not surprising to me in the way that Anton Yelchin's death is, is to me. They're very different yeah. circumstances, obviously, but... It's not so much that she died, but that she would die in such close proximity not only to her own daughter, but I mean, also to all these other people. That I think that is what kind of um, makes what, it. what kind of creates this impression of this vague like aura of malice that seems to like pervade their deaths. My first thought maybe this may, maybe yeah. I'm a bad guy. First thought was, oh, prescription pill overdose. Um, from like a celebrity death. No, for Wait, first De- of all, who are you talking about? Debbie Reynolds. Oh. Mm. Now that um, being said, yeah, it is could just be a wild coincidence, and people dying after they've lost someone who's very important to them, yeah. is known to happen. Mm-hmm. My first thought was was that, and there's a good chance that it's nothing, but it just the whole thing is just so it's not unheard out- of. No, but mm-hmm. the whole thing is just so outlandish to me because you you a week ago or. Five days ago, or whatever it was, you have Debbie Reynolds going on Twitter saying that Carrie Fisher is fine, mm-hmm. and then the following week they're both dead. See, that's what <laughs> I'm talking about, man. This shit is, oh my god, life comes at you fast. Oh, <laughs> so. but well, I mean, I think what's funny is that <clears throat> I'm not funny. <laughs> no, no, but we've got to take some gallows humor out of this shit. It's, it's, yeah. we got to live. Well, I mean, throughout the whole year, we've. We've had the memes and all the out, internet outcry of like, man, what is 2016 doing? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like in the first quadrant of 2016, I thought that was stupid. In the second quadrant, I thought it was tolerable but also stupid. And it's not really until <laughs> we're now in the home stretch. And I still think it's stupid to obviously yeah. arbitrarily uh, corral a group of deaths together in a way that kind of dehumanizes them by saying that a year or whatever. And yet – it's kind of funny because if anybody wanted some not proof positive but like some actual like implication <laughs> sad yeah, yeah just sad happenstance that like t- this year is certainly going out with a bang as far as i mean within the last week we lost george michael um carrie fisher and now debbie reynolds i mean that's one week on I mean, christmas the, the, right the, all within this the span george of, michael one being a little like, does he die of a drug heart? No, no like a heart attack. Really? Yeah. I feel like you don't know how people die because. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was just a heart failure. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Good. Was, yeah. Um, I'm glad. Like, as good as. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm glad to hear he's better did. than drug overdose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I'm just saying, like, that was a weird three days as far as the roller coaster of, hey, like, you don't normally have, like, a, hey, did you hear Evan the next day? Hey, did you hear Evan the next day? Hey, did you hear? Um, so that, that's just kind of a – so I do think it's kind of funny, whereas I still think it's stupid to arbitrarily, you know, classify it. But this year has kicked me into submission that, like, people have earned their memes <laughs> because it's so absurd. So Yeah, yeah it just seems like a weekly basis of someone – I mean, you go all the way from Alan Rickman to Anton Yelchin to Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds and David Prince. Did you say Gary Fisher. David Bowie. You mean Prince. Carrie Fisher. Oh, Carrie Fisher. And not Gary Fisher. Well, I was going to say you mean Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you just had a whole... Leonard Cohen. Yeah. 
whole yep. slew of people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not him, but oh, Leonard but, Cohen. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I mean those are the ones that I'm remembering. I'm sure there are a few. There's that... too many. Yeah. There's yeah. honestly too. And many. I had, it, we kind of missed it, but I had mentioned Prince too. Yep. Obviously, yeah. a major death for many people earlier yeah. this yeah. year. Definitely. So. Yeah, no, deaths have been a, uh, a major Ron part. Glass, also. We never mentioned him on the podcast, but, uh, yeah, Ron Glass, who famously played uh, uh, Harris on Barney Miller, who's mm. uh, in my favorite sick episode of television of <gasps> all time. Shepherd. And Shepard from Firefly, to people who only watch Firefly and nothing else on television. I watch a lot of things. I know, but I hated the fact that a lot of outlets ran with his picture as Shepard, a character he played for 13 episodes instead of Lieutenant Harris. A character he played for practically 90 episodes and was a much more nuanced, complex person. He was my shepherd. But everyone can be hold comfort in, I think it was AV Club, who posted the, we know we shouldn't, but just because everyone's thinking it, Carrie Fisher filmed all her scenes for Star Wars. Yeah, that that was immediate. That was one of the first things that actually came out um, in the wake of her her death, because I knew that. That was going to be like one of the first questions. That yeah. Which, in people's mind. I, mean, Which I it... feel like that article pretty much perfectly stated. We know that this probably shouldn't be, but we know that this is all really most people care about right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean that's we had so. the same question about not as popular a franchise, but see Philip Seymour Hoffman passing right as the Hunger Games was about to do sure. its last mm-hmm. episodes, uh, yeah, and whatnot. So it's yeah, no, it's, so you know I don't even think there's really anything, in my opinion. And offensive about that. It's news, and at least right. I'd rather see that than uh, than the Steve certain, Martin. Just get out. Of well, the a way. certain articles I saw that were like, "Oh, look at like oh, this was before she died, so maybe people think that they're in more in the right here." But when she had her heart attack, so People Magazine reran, you know, like RT uh, old article about like something about her. Um, weight loss or something. I'm yeah. just like, really? Yeah, no, Steve Martin's was pretty... What was... Uh, his tweet... Uh... Oh, about Carrie Fisher. Yes. The one that I, like, she was the most beautiful woman, and then I grew up and met her, and she was also yeah. witty and yeah. great or something. Yeah. But when I was a child, though, she was like... I actually didn't find anything wrong with that no? tweet. No? Okay. Um, in fact, quite a few people that I also talked to, because I kind of discussed it, which is that... I think there is a tendency to Overreact. judge comedians harshly because there is that pressure on a lot of them that they think they need to make a joke, so mm. then they do. And and as there should be scrutiny for sure. Like D.L. Hughley's uh, tweet was awful. And what? He's a horrible – yeah. D.L. Hughley um, tweeted – I'm going to get the tweet out so I don't misquote him. Uh, I haven't read – That was one of the worst things I've read. And it'll make Steve Barton's comment look very positive, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Hold on here. But the reason why I didn't really have a, a problem with Steve Martin's was because he is a comedian whatever. And I do think that someone kind of rightfully pointed out what Steve Martin said is not that bad if you know who Steve Martin is and know who Carrie Fisher is. Carrie Fisher had a very sharp and no... No bullshit experience. No bullshit about her own exterior. So I kind of like the idea that I thought, at least that Steve Martin was both making a joke about how a lot of little boys discover Carrie Fisher and then 
made sure to end it on like yeah. why she was why she was thing. so great was yeah. because once you grow up you realize that she actually lived up and exceeded your expectations. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't mind it when you uh, see. I didn't look at that deeply. <coughs> I just read it and yeah. heard some of the. I mean, it's not the most touching thing. That no. Heard. Whatever. Yeah. Hey, hey. But, and it's certainly better than this tweet by Dio Hughley. Mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds died a day after her daughter did! Exclamation point. Black mamas don't die because they kids do. They cry and say, God, don't make no mistakes. So that is a comedian literally co-opting a death of somebody who I probably doubt he's ever met, um, whereas I think Steve and Carrie have probably met. Uh, uh, but that is somebody co-opting the death of somebody solely for the purpose of really, really blunt and stupid white people be doing this and black people they be doing that Mrs. humor Mrs. And- Hugh Hugely, please grab your son he's <laughs> making a fool of himself on the internet she's dead I was gonna say I think she's probably just kidding I don't know yeah. yeah so other than the deaths uh, we also <laughs> had films and other moments yeah there were uh, films this, this year yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, and in addition to holy shit there are a lot of deaths a the general, which is unfortunately, when you just throw a year into a general pool, mm. it doesn't really give much context to it. But the general feel for 2016 is it was not very good in terms of films. Obviously, there are quite a few very good films that came out this year. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh, the films that people were excited for or that they looked forward to uh, were overall disappointments oh, yeah. in general. Oh, yeah. So, we're going to do a more in-depth review of 2016 uh, in the coming weeks, once we've seen all the films that we wanted to see from this year, as uh, some of them will be trickling out in early January. But, um, just, each of us can just go one at a time, even if we want to, and just kind of give our thoughts on this year as a whole, and maybe just talk about some of your favorite and least favorite experiences from it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Tucson, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. I mean, looking back on the the long stretch of the the past year, it's sort of been like a a vague sort of plain malaise of there are okay films and then there are bad films and then there were the really really good films, but I just don't feel like the really good films were in in such a quantity that I can say that this was necessarily a a good or great year in film. It was just you know it's a it's all right. It was an all right. Your films, I like Lobster. I really like uh, Moonlight. Those are the some of the. the I, I like The Witch. Um, there's if you if you think about it, it's like if you really strain a little bit, then you can really like pick out the ones that are like the really shining gems or whatever. But there's nothing like for me. There there is no there is no equivalent of like like a film that just enraptures me and that I just want to go back and like watch it over and over and over again. There is no, it follows for me this year. I'm not even saying that in, in a horror context, but just like in a general movie context, um, the films that I was really looking forward to, like Swiss army man and high rise ended up uh, disappointing me spectacularly is like, not because Swiss army man is just a bad film. It's just, it's, it's a feature-length music video, really, and it's, it, I'm, I have a hard time recalling how I felt about that film when I first saw it in theaters. I, I it's actually, funny how much you talked about it yeah. really quick before you saw the movie, right. compared I was, to how much I you was, talked about it after you saw the yeah, movie. Yeah, I was psyched for it. And I actually did quite enjoy that film, and yeah. still do, and I will probably own it at some point, yeah. um, but 
I obviously am able to agree with what Tucson is saying that think that that film the sign of first time full length film directors shows through throughout. Yeah. So. I was just really yeah. taken with the inventiveness and just the oh, yeah. the audacity of the premise. Like it just it looked like a fun, weird ass film, and I and I and like. I, I think it was. Yeah. It just overall just doesn't have. It wasn't more than, than what power. it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and High Rise was fucking awful. Oh my god, that <laughs> and was. You were talking about that for like I, yeah. a minute. I was, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, what the. F- fuck am i watching maybe i need to watch it again but i don't know it's just, it wasn't my thing um but yeah i thought that i'm looking forward more to 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 next year i think next year is going to have um a couple more hidden gems that i'm, I'm looking forward to i know that i'm not sure if you guys saw this at sundance but i know slight got picked up it's coming out in March in some way, shape, or form. I'm lo- really? I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be this year's The Witch, then. Possibly. Because, I mean, that came out, like, March of... But that was a 2015. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. But still, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that next year. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a smattering of other great genre films that are on the horizon. Yeah, and we'll probably hit on a couple of those here in a few minutes as yeah. well, too. Because yeah. we're going to talk a little more in depth about next year. Because yeah. that's uh, some... Obviously, to look forward to following this year in general. So, yeah, no, there are quite a few uh, things on the horizon that look like they could be quite good. Yeah. Nick, do you want to take the baton? To. All right. Give me that baton. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to say, my favorite kind of movie experience uh, is probably a no contest with the fact that I was able to attend the Sundance Film Festival uh, this year. But if I had to narrow it down to like a moment, um, there was a moment when me and Alex kissed and in front of the theater. At, uh, uh, <laughs> that was my second favorite moment. The, my favorite moment, though, was um, when uh, being in the theater, in the Echo Theater, and watching a Whit Stillman movie before The Nation at Large. I mean, it wasn't the world premiere because that was the other screening, so to speak. But in general, it was. Um, being able to see a new Whit Stillman movie in a theater full of people who are laughing at those jokes. I mean, if I would have seen, which I have seen a Whit Stillman movie in a regular theater, like when I saw Damsels in Distress back in 2009. Or when we saw Love and Friendship. Right. Uh, <laughs> Together. Yeah. Later in the year. <laughs> and, you know, it's even though I, I'll love the movie, like it can be a little, I don't know, a little uh, de, I don't know, de-empathizing uh, when you have a, a few people who... Not that they don't get the joke, but they're just not finding it very funny because he's got his own style. But to have thousands of people laughing at Tom Bennett and, like, for me to not be disappointed by one of my all-time favorite uh, screenwriters and and to be a return to form because Damsel in Distress is not great, um, that was just fantastic. And the fact that that would coincide with uh, achieving my lifelong dream of going to Sundance, which is a beautiful, beautiful marriage. So, yeah, no, that was... Uh, my favorite, I guess, one honorable mention uh, for just a regular movie-going experience was, for me, actually, uh, my favorite experience in a theater was actually going to see Don't Breathe, because... I was kind of hoping you were going to say Neon Demon, but no. No, that might be one of my least favorite experiences, Alex Diekman. Uh, <laughs> but going to see Don't Breathe, um, I was, besides the fact that I just loved the movie itself like i was on the edge of my seat so it you know totally got me um i left that screening both loving that movie but also with a new 
uh, interest in a genre that I had not always given its full due. Like, I watched a horror movie every day for like a month uh, after I saw Don't Breathe. And I know, Alex, you might not call it a horror movie, but you can at least see uh, the correlation as to... I mean, to, uh, yeah. I mean, we ha- we've had this <laughs> discussion multiple times on this podcast over a series of episodes. We have. Um, and we'll uh, continue to have it. And yeah, I mean, I still... Um, I'm going to still hold firm that I, I really don't see a lot of core horror elements throughout that film with the exception of... Uh, the main sequence that involves the real star of the film, the turkey baster. But, um, yeah, I feel like I would put that in... Maybe it's because a lot of things were used as shock value throughout the film. I put that more on kind of a suspense thriller type film that has a much more grounded storyline. Like, what's the film that had the big moment to try to shock the audience that we and you watched a couple of years ago. Killer Joe? Yes. Uh, and I know, I mean, I mean, obviously very different films, yeah. but still trying to do the same thing in terms of <clears throat> leading its audience in a certain direction to do a certain thing. And to me, it just wasn't really screaming horror, but... Eh. Don't Breathe was probably one of the best suspense comedies I've watched uh, this entire year. I still remember the main character falling on his ass after uh, the bad guy like shoots the the glass gazebo. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Don't great. forget that was, the that was really good. The yeah. very uh, uh, explosive text message. They killed money. Oh, that was great! They yeah. killed money. Um, but if no. only there were money symbols after that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Emojis, you Aww. damn millennials! There's an emoji movie coming out. I know there is. We're going to talk about that for most anticipated movies. Wow, um, uh, <laughs> man! But no, but leaving that movie theater after seeing that movie, like that's kind of the power of cinema in general. It doesn't mean that that's a masterpiece, but that can start to get me to reevaluate. And for what reason, I have no idea, other than just it hit me at the right moment. Um, but that is the reason why, <clears throat> after that, I watched uh, entries from the Friday the 13th series, uh, Nightmare series, the Halloween, including the Rob Zombie movies, I mean, that I had never seen before because I'd always kind of just stayed away from them for whatever reason. I watched the entire Evil Dead trilogy. All of these were first-time watches, all because they were inspired by my just at least the feeling I had when I saw Don't Breathe. And even that's morphed into even more ridiculous uh, bargain basement horror. Uh, like when I made you guys watch Chopping Mall. <laughs> and um, the other day I watched something called Horror House on Highway 5, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Not and, Highway 5! Oh, yeah. And so like I'm just, it's like I, now I'm a fan for life. Uh, and yeah. that's something that I would not have been able to say about uh, 2015. Uh, so that's just a very weird experience that opened up doors. Uh, my least favorite experience was probably when I saw the Neon Demon um, the first time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I think we can at least giggle yeah. about it a little yes. bit. No, no, I'm not like, like yeah. fuckers, but like, in the moment, I was not having a good time. Oh. We, we know. You made that very oh, clear yeah, after you left the theater. Well, you guys oh, yeah. made your opinion square, so oh. I decided to make it. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> But if I also had to choose something that I would say, like, is a true bad experience, like, disappointment and all that kind of thing. Um, was it when the guy was vaping? That was... That was... That was 2015. 
think it was last no, no, year. that is this year because that was Utopia. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was what you were thinking of though, was it? No, it wasn't though. Hmm. Um, That's up there. But now I forgot what it was. Okay, think about it. I'll if say, you think but... about it, you can yeah. just interrupt. Anyway, yeah. so is there anything else in terms of just overall that you wanted oh, to say about? I will say because we were talking about it. Um, I actually don't quite agree with. I'm not saying anybody here, but mm-hmm. the general consensus that's been all over the internet that 2016 is a bad year for movies compared no. to recent years past. No. I think if anybody thinks that, it means they haven't watched enough movies. And I'm not saying which movies they need to watch, mm-hmm. but open up your sample size and you'll always find good movies, in my opinion. Um, and I, It's a bad year for blockbusters. Um, I would agree with that in the sense yeah. that... If you only watch blockbusters, which a lot of people only watch blockbusters, yeah. then yeah, it was kind like, of a I, shit. Because I know my own, my own self was not a fan of things that some people were a fan of, like Deadpool and Rogue, Rogue One. One. Uh, yeah. But Suicide if you Squad. take those away, uh, there was Suicide Squad, Batman v. Not a lot of people Wait, were no, fans of was that. Batman? Yeah, that was yes. this year, shit. Yes. Early, early this year, but yep. Um, and I was not really... A fan of Doctor Strange and yeah. uh, even Civil War, which is the one I like the most out of all those. Uh, was somewhat... Or fa- Fantastic Beasts, you guys didn't really love yeah, that. Yeah, not fuck with that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so all those tentpole movies, for sure, it says a lot that my two favorite blockbusters were The Shallows and Nerve, two movies that I would not <laughs> expected based on their premise yeah. uh, to be at the top of my list for... Uh... Oh, and Pete's Dragon, actually, was a very underrated and underseen movie. That was... Uh, huh. People really should give that one a chance. Okay. Uh, it's one of my favorite things Disney has done in quite some time. I wanted to see that, so yeah. I probably will at some point. There yeah. you go. So, yeah, I, I would just say if you're looking at it through that lens, then I can understand. But in general, um, what I've loved about this year is that we don't have too many, if any, um, tentpole directors uh, coming out. With, I mean, you know, Tarantino, Anderson, you know, none of these guys are really coming out with one. Scorsese is coming Scorsese, out with a, with but a it's passion all project. At the very end of the year, you know, like yeah. the, the final. So, that's why people have already been talking about the year, you know, that's passed. Um, but w- so we, so that's what I've actually found pretty exciting about this year is that um, we've gotten to see a lot of either emergences of new directors like Barry Jenkins, which it wasn't his first film, Moonlight, but it was his first breakthrough, or the return of Kenneth Lonergan. Um, so it was kind of fun to see all these more quieter voices, kind of, or Yorgos Lothamos with The Lobster. Yeah. Uh, be able to shine because they weren't going up against. Uh, oh yeah, like big, big. Uh, Two thousand seventeen. There really isn't. Also, if you just look yeah. at it, there's not that many huge named. Obviously, Christopher Nolan is going to have a film, so yep. that'll be Dunkirk. That'll that'll be something. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know if I would really include Ryan Johnson as a major director. I include him as a. I mean, not yet. I don't think yeah. until he. I mean, I love him as a director, and yeah. I think he's great. Uh, but I don't think until he directs a Star Wars that we can start to call him as far as an, a draw where people people know who Christopher Nolan is. Well, like, I don't think this will you make, and this you will... and I and Alex know who right. Ryan Johnson is. Right. If I ask somebody like a random person off the street, he's like, "Hey, he's like, do you know who Ryan Johnson is?" Like, but they know Tarantino and they know Scorsese. Yeah. So until he directs a Star Wars and until I, I, can... don't, I don't think Star Wars is going to be what catapults him. He 
Well, I mean, yeah. Come on, I man. mean, that'll it's, it's, if he it's, if it doesn't, that'll be Star Wars precedes his that'll name. be right. Yeah. He, I see you. It'll it'll lead him to his his next. Well, large that's what I mean. Far as far yeah. as like that's what that's all Christopher Nolan did. You yeah. know, I mean, he made Batman. People knew what Batman was, and then when they liked yeah, but his that, take, and I know that that's a whole. I feel like that Batman, the first Batman movie, was really under the radar when it came out. Oh yeah, though. was. Yeah. But he was able to like when I saw Inception, I kind of laughed uh, at the trailers because it was. From the guy who brought you the Dark Knight, I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, like you mean Christopher Nolan? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a name, like you know what I mean? Like that like that was a way yeah, to get those, people in the seats. But those days are for the most part. But now over. you watch a Dunkirk and you see from Christopher Nolan, so yeah. it's like people now know his name. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, so. they ought to. Shit, he's released enough films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's released quite a few successful films. Yeah. Even ones that haven't been, like Interstellar wasn't enormously successful at the box office. Still yeah. is a quite good quite a good movie. Yeah. So. so I'm all done. Okay. Yeah. If you think of that thing you were gonna yeah. say through my let, let me know. So uh for the most part, I'll start off by saying uh my year in film was quite heavily influenced by the Sundance trip as well. Uh, we saw 19 films there, and I ended up seeing, at least so far, 62 this year. So mm-hmm. it's, a th- it's, it's a third of, of my, my year right there. So it's, yeah. it was quite a bit. And I saw um, a good number of films that I really enjoyed there and had a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of really great experiences. As someone uh, who absolutely loves seeing films in the theater, but doesn't always love the audience that's in the theater... Uh, that was probably my Same. favorite part of the Sundance uh, experience as you're in pretty much mostly full. I mean, the only films I could really think of are some of the kind of random movies that we saw. And one, like, not necessarily even uh, would have been if he wasn't in the Eccles Theater, which was Spa Night, uh, which that had kind of a large task being a two in the afternoon showing late in the festival. Mm-hmm. But very few other films had trouble getting a ton of people in the theater. And for the most part, if the films were good, and I didn't really find that many films that we saw that I would consider as very bad movies that Mm. were there. There were definitely a few that I didn't care for. But for the most part, I found some enjoyment in most of them. And most people did. And most people laughed at comedies and were scared by horror films and Uh, It was just a really fun and engaging experience uh, that, for the most part, culminated in uh, in two experiences that I absolutely love there. Uh, The one, which is the the easy one to always remember, is when we saw uh, Christine and Kate plays Christine back-to-back in the same theater, sitting in the same seats. uh, (laughs) And I got to take a photo with the two directors, which was like a really weird, bizarre experience Mm -hmm. because they... They look alike. They're like each other's doppelganger, but they made a film about the same topic for the most part. So that's something. And those are two really, really good films for entirely different reasons. Uh, And it's disappointing that neither of them really made it out anywhere in terms of even a theater you could remotely go to. Um, But I remember when we left the theater after seeing Christine being so excited that we got to see that movie at the festival because I thought that was just a fantastic uh, work and again, it's too bad that that you otherwise wouldn't have seen. You gave me a hug. for the most part, yeah, I did. I was really was happy good, that we saw that because that is a film that I had no problem giving a five out of five right after leaving the theater. So that was a great experience. Awesome. Uh, the other experience that I absolutely loved 
Um, Don't say the neon demon. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, there was there's two more. Um, I think I can guess one. It's not the neon demon. No, I know it's not the neon demon. <laughs> what, what's your guess? I want to hear. I it. thought it was going to be at Sundance when you went to go see uh, Birth of the Nation, and the black guy was just like, "What oh. was that war at the end?" That <laughs> was that was that was fun. Trump's but that America. wasn't that wasn't hilarious. Um, Sad. I, I want to say the first moment when I felt like we were at something that was a large event at Sundance, which was the first night when we saw Frank and Lola at the Eccles Theater, uh, which was something that was very exciting for me. Not only because we got to see a, a movie there, and it ended up being a pretty good film, even though that's not a great movie. Um, it is definitely worth watching, I would say. And then getting to see a very peculiar um, post-film uh, Q&A, which pretty much just turned into, which isn't that surprising, Michael Shannon just mm-hmm. talking and giving very Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. from... Uh, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. from uh, Wolf of Wall Street Answers. Yeah. Just saying some of the most bizarre things and totally being committed to it. And and that's the unfortunate truth of that is they have like five actors and actresses. They have the director. They have producers. They have people even who worked in like the makeup for the film. And he's the only one who anyone's asking questions, which makes sense because he's the big name. Well, except but, for the guy who wanted to talk about Carol. Yeah, yeah, that was a downside of some of the Sundance Q&As. Oh, I like that and all the people who said there should be standing ovations for films. Fuck you. All, all those people can go to hell for the most part. <laughs> um, but my final uh, theater experience that I will uh, say that I absolutely enjoy will probably not be a surprise to you, but it will be, the film will be a surprise that I'm saying that I this is way up there for me. And that was watching the opening scene to Midnight Special, which was absolutely huh. fantastic. Oh. Uh, that moment when uh, Joel Edgerton shuts all the lights off in the car and puts the night vision goggles on to drive and stay away from... Oh, man, that was and, just And fantastic. the title splash. Oh, yes. that's money. And the music and the sound design in that opening sequence really set that film up to be wonderful. And mm-hmm. it, unfortunately for me, it didn't end up being. But uh, that... that part seeing that film in the theater was just awesome seeing that opening part to that movie um yeah i want to say that in terms of negative experiences in the theater uh complete unknown was one because i (laughs) fell asleep uh a few times i almost did that's you too in the theater and um i don't i cannot remember a unanimous exodus from a theater at the conclusion of a film with just so much, especially I get... when you consider that that's the final screening, you know, it's um, it's in the final block, so there can no, there cannot be any screenings after this one, yeah, um, and and so nobody has to compete with like getting to another screening, and for that many people to not even stay to even hear if there would be a Q and A, which I completely understand because we were all doing like it, it was seriously like it yeah. was such a hard thing to explain, but it was so bizarre. It was like people were rising for the national anthem at the beginning yeah. of a sporting event. Like everyone just hears the cowbell and heads yep. for dinner because it's time to leave this fucking theater after this dog shit movie. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the two major disappointments for me this year were uh, The Nice Guys and Suicide Squad, yeah. which were films that I was really looking forward to, and they both ended up being quite limp. Um, I had more faith in the, the Nice Guys going in than I ever did with Suicide Squad, but yeah, it was – yeah, that film just didn't really deliver. 
on. It had its moments. Yeah, it, but it, it which one are we talking about? Nice, I'm talking about nice, nice guys. guys. Okay, yeah. It yeah. didn't have the total package that things like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang had. No. Um, and it's too bad because uh, from the outset it looked like it had a chance yeah. to be absolutely like, fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't change the casting or obviously the directing or even the like the the plot, so to speak. But it just the pacing and the uh, the editing of the way they strung these jokes together just did not land for me mm-hmm. in, now, in a lot of parts. It's yeah. been it's been a hot minute since we did our roundtable discussion about it, but I think I can recall at least one of us. I think it might have been you, Nick, where you said that this film kind of had the impression of it was a first draft that could have really done with like a like a touch up and or, or just like another like like yeah. um, round of edits. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's pretty much like the porno they're trying to recover. It's like uh, there are some weird choices here that I felt could have been easily redone. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it just felt just – it just didn't land for me, unfortunately. Nah. And, yeah, Suicide Squad, for the most part, speaks for itself. Oh, yeah. I did acquire, however, the extended edition for Christmas, so I will did be you? watching it again. All right. Let me gotta... know if there's uh... – I'm more sure. Joel Kinnaman. I will I let do you some more. I'll let you know exactly yeah. what that is because oh, I'm. Uh, I mean, I still enjoy parts of it. This uh, lady here's name is Katana. Yeah. Her blade <laughs> houses the yeah. souls of a thousand dead men. And now we shall never speak of her again. Yeah. <laughs> never speak again because she's Asian. Yeah. yeah. Why are you here? We're gonna kill this guy off. So yeah. here he is. <laughs> but it relates to the comics, doesn't it? <laughs> But he has a bungee cord. That's fine. That's fine. fine. I know. It's fine. So, yeah. uh, Those were theater experiences and uh, I enjoyed, not didn't love. I'd like to throw my hat into the ring and say I do remember the movie that disappointed me the most. Not because I had the highest expectations, but I just thought it took the easiest way out. uh, And I think you'll agree with me. uh, uh, Sausage Party. Because you know me. like I think I like Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg's movies on a higher average than you do for the most part. I mean, it depends what ones we're talking about specifically. I just meant like, I, I think general. I'm more charitable to all, like, like I love this at the end and yeah. I liked okay. uh, yeah, a few, sure. whatever. Um, and so I was all prepared to at least moderately like this. And the fact that this is the first one that I've watched that I never want to really watch again says a lot. And especially because I actually understand what they were thinking. I don't think it was because they were that lazy. I think it's because they took the... Pixar, we need to make shorthand references instead of write out actual jokes because that's what they do in kids' movies. Uh, They took that way too literally and seriously, and that's what kind of over... Because in general, I thought the movie's theme and message was actually pretty hilariously potent uh, speaking of uh speaking of animated films the secret life of pets was dog shit so oh really well did you do you see it no i did was that a pun dog shit mm-hmm. uh, it just is yeah uh that was a really not great movie that had uh, a scene where some of the animals um are going to do a sacrifice of other animals and as they are wont to do well that's the secret life i mean you know yeah it's a secret yeah. Uh, but the main reason why, well, not the main reason, but one of the reasons why that film was absolutely horrible was uh, Kevin Hart, who needs to really just go away. Uh, yeah. It's uh, not it's not going great with that. We need to uh, rotate in the, uh, the new It uh, black comedian because I'm really getting tired of this one. And who would that be? I don't know. We need oh. to find out who it is. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. you. Aww. It's D.L. Hughley. No! He had his Clearly. time, and he already <laughs> fucked it up. Um, and 
in terms of overall that we kind of hit on already, um, yeah, this year overall I think did disappoint me at the theater. Uh, there was some fantastic experiences that I had with movies that I saw either in the theater or caught later on. Um, but for the most part, I feel like this was just like, eh, okay. Some were good, some were bad, some were terrible, some were really good. But not much moved the needle this year. And, uh, I mean, years are long. It's a, It was a, a lot of films and a Shit, lot of opportunities. I mean, they're like 365 days. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Almost, man. Feels like that. Damn. Um, so yeah, it's just another, another year, but, uh, it's going to be so hard to feel like put years against, against each other in terms of judging how good or how bad of a year it was when you have studios slash film heads that honestly have just completely lost touch with creating art there's um, going to be a lot of dark and gritty like installments on long running uh series next year there's going to be the fucking cars sequel <laughs> where where what's his name lightning, lightning mcqueen lightning mcqueen just eats shit like just like dies or something they got uh transformers where optimus prime is an asshole just oh god i just saw that trailer yeah, i'm sorry i've seen it uh, until yesterday when mm-hmm. it was attached to fences because they know their target audience. <laughs> and, um, wow. That was a, that was a, oh boy. Like, mm. I didn't think they could get worse than yeah. they were, but yeah. they can't. Just wait. They did. Anthony, There's more. Anthony Hopkins went from Westworld to that. So, damn. Anthony Hopkins has done a lot of bad. Yeah, He's done a lot of bad shit. So let's, let's, let's just keep it well, 100. This was Hearts of Atlantis, man. <laughs> Yeah. Red Red 2. Oh. <laughs> uh, so speaking of 2017, since we already kind of delved into it a little if bit. If there is one. Oh. Oh. We have a full one. Maybe half um, of one. You know, we, we look at films Hopefully that are... sanctions are <laughs> we, we look at films that are coming out early on in the, in the year. Silence uh, is one. Some other major films that have kind of made appearances early on uh, in... S- limited showings but man the early portion of next year for the most part is right in line with most other early years which is just total awful except for john wick yeah that could be good john yeah wick i don't know if it will be good it could be he's got another dog don't you Nobody. dare talk ill of john wick haven't you learned anything from john wick wow He's going to get me. John Wick super fan over here. Yeah, seriously. Holy shit. But like, man. we're going to see like the Underworld sequel. Oh, I saw the trailer for that too in front of Fences. Oh, God. Apparently, Why? Uh, all the people who are going to see Fences are very big genre shit fans. Anyway. Uh, you've got other movies coming out early next year, like that Patriot's Day movie. Uh, Afumi, I'm interested in seeing, not Patriot's Day. Uh, but the Ben Affleck gangster film Live by Night, which I'm guessing is going to be terrible. Um, and Wait. then Patriot's Day is that movie that... It's about the Boston Marathon bombing. bombing. Oh, I but ju- from, I just... what, from what I've read, it's not necessarily all well, about Well, it's directed that. by Peter Berg, right? Yeah. And he usually is a pretty competent... I, I like... Yeah. I actually just read general. a review of that that actually stated that Mark Wahlberg's character does not exist. At all? That makes sense, because Mark Wahlberg likes to insert himself in famous places in history in which he thinks that uh, he can retcon and make better. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, when he famously said in an interview that if he was on the plane that was headed toward the Twin Towers, that he would have been able to stop them. Mm. You know what? Where where was he on election day? <laughs> <laughs> but other films coming out early next year. Pain and Gang 2. Um, including uh, that amazing looking film, uh, The Great Wall. With mm-hmm. Matt Damon. We've been mm-hmm. waiting for that one. Mm-hmm. That doesn't look racist at all. <laughs> and then also, uh, we have coming out early next year. At least that's not a, an American making that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty. No, I'm just saying, fi- there's something to be said about. They, they just, they, yeah. Fifty Shades Darker. I saw the trailer for that. They had the same damn song, just by a different singer. And I'm just like, wow, this is really <laughs> fucking weird. Con Skull Island. Mm. Now, did you guys know that that's a comedy now? Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. I, I caught that. That's, that, really that's weird. not good. Uh, the Train Spotting sequel. I hope somebody says it sounded like Donkey Kong at one point in that movie. <laughs> but. Oh, the Train Spotting sequel is still happening? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a thing that's but happening. then you have other films that I, I think people maybe will be looking forward to. Like, I know I'm really looking forward to the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the only Batman movie I'm actually looking forward to in the near future. Agreed. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, the live action. I am interested. We'll, we'll see what that is. And then uh, the Fate and the Furious, or yeah. Fate of the Furious, or whatever they're going to call it. Um, I'm excited. I know you said the trailer did nothing for you. <laughs> no. Uh, but I was excited by it. But man, yeah, some of those tentpole films like Guardians of the Galaxy, Alien Covenant, yep. uh, the Kane Arthur, Arthur film made by Guy Ritchie. <laughs> Blade Runner no. 2049. Yeah. There's going to be another Pirates of the Caribbean movie next year. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Now you're yeah. excited. I'm looking, f- I'm looking forward to watching that and just discussing it and then burying it and never speaking of it again. Yeah. And then, obviously, we already kind of hit on it a little bit, but Dunkirk coming out. Yeah. Uh, the major film, probably, in terms of names surrounding it with uh, Christopher Nolan. And also, too, uh, he's pretty absent from the trailer, which was a little odd. Uh, but Tom Hardy is supposed to have a pretty major role in the film, but... Hmm. Not is out. Black Panther coming out next year? I don't think so. But Thor is. Yes, okay. late, late in the year. And Spider-Man: Homecoming. And yes, yes. Uh, Avengers. Wonder no, Woman? that's the next no. year. Wonder really? Woman is. Yeah, it's later. Next year. Yeah. Is Aquaman yeah. coming out next? No, year? there's got to be two movies, no. though, right? Or are they only doing one DC? I don't know. Anyway, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, but DC you haven't even mentioned. Know what they're doing. The clearly what's going to be the best movie of 2017, Logan. Oh yeah, well I don't know about no, but that is the superhero movie uh, that is like the most anticipated I've ever had. That's for, saying something uh, for a superhero movie. Yeah. I mean, it's not. If it were like me saying that, it thing would be saying something. But Nick's saying that, who doesn't love superhero? This is like right up his alley. I, I think that thinks him because he just doesn't give, doesn't give a fuck about no, superheroes but he at actually all. Like, quite enjoyed that last Wolverine film. I yeah, came out and returning uh, and. Well, it's the marriage between the fact that it's, it's Hugh Jackman's final performance. And I know, yeah, he could come back and whatever. But in general, it is supposed to be a final chapter, so to speak. Right. Uh, with James Mangold returning to direct, who I actually think is a great director. Even if you don't like The Wolverine, look at his other output. I think he's a very, very good director. Uh, Remember when Matt Damon had a final performance of Jason Bourne a couple of years ago? I, I do. That's what I'm trying to say. I do know that... like. He could very easily come back, but yeah. if I, Jeremy Renner plays Wolverine, that's going to be awful. <laughs> oh my yes, god, that's awful. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just I love the tone of the trailer, and I know it might not live up to Deadpool's going to be in it. Oh yeah, you love Deadpool. We said we weren't going to talk about that. We weren't going to talk about that. 
I know uh, if we're talking about trailers and the Deadpool thing is kind of somewhat newsworthy, but yeah, that's hopefully just a throwaway post-credit, very post-credit scene that people can... I hope it's so post-credit you have, you'll get a, a code at the end of a trailer <laughs> and then you have to go home and go to a website and type the code in and you can watch the scene. And that, that, is, that would be something Marvel would do. Actually, it would be. Yeah. And I hope they started with that because, <laughs> god damn, I don't want to see that. But we've seen some actually very good trailers come out for next year The nice already. thing, really quick, the nice thing about post credit scenes, you can leave before they happen. I was going to yeah. say, I mean, I mean so anyway. knowing knowing you, knowing Yule, <laughs> Alan Partridge reference, uh, uh, knowing you, I mean, I knowing me. very, very doubt that you would at least not... Just see what that is. Oh, no, I'm going to. Yeah. I'm just pissed that I have to. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Um, but we, we've seen some trailers come out for films next year that um, people are getting really good at making trailers, which is a good or and maybe a bad thing because... They're finally like learning to not do what Terminator Genesis does. Well, they did that out of desperation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Disney would never do a which, trailer like that. Which I think, because they know they don't have to. In, in addition, that's something that uh, if you if you look at the at the longevity of it, that's exactly what Con Skull Island did when they released that trailer that just had John C. Riley's all of his scenes in it, where it's like, look, this is going to be fun. Um, that just screams to me, our film is shit, and we've got no hope. Yeah. So we're going to play it for camp now. But man, that Alien Covenant trailer. Wow, that was really good. I uh, I don't I don't have to repeat the fact that I have some feelings. Yeah. About Prometheus, I got some feelings about it, but ultimately my walk my takeaway from that episode was that I was really looking forward to the follow up to Prometheus, and I am. Everything that I see I have seen in this trailer leads me to believe that I am going to be able to take away the gratification from. What, what what I wanted to get out of a Prometheus film from this, and it brings it more in line with the 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 mainline like Alien series. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I gotta say I love the trailer, and I don't want to watch it again. I'm sure I'll see it attached to things, but I'm gonna not go out of my way to yeah. watch the trailer again because I really want a lot of those images, which were really cool on the first, like to kind of fade away. Um, but what I the the overall impression I got from it was that I loved that. As someone who actually liked Prometheus, uh, that this took my favorite parts of Prometheus, which is mostly just the atmosphere and yeah. set decor. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic uh, computer-generated imagery yeah. in that yeah. film. And all that stuff uh, combined with the fucking brutality of an actual alien movie, which there were hints of in Prometheus. I don't think anybody can deny that there weren't at least moments in which they it, it tried did, to. It did only, it all, all it did was hint. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that they're finally... Are you talking about like the machine that she gets to and says, you're not a man! Get out! <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the self-abortion and the, um, and the scene in which they first get to the first cave when they're kind of poking the flower. Oh, yeah, that's you know. great. There are yeah. a few couple of little things. But yeah. this clearly looks like we're back into actual alien territory, which is actually, I think, 
good and it makes me like Prometheus even more because that's what that movie set up. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of them dancing around it. And, and I know people maybe not don't like the movie for that, but I actually like that even more now in retrospect because they're fulfilling that promise. They're saying that we made a mistake when we landed here and, mm-hmm. and we you know did this and now they're all going to pay for it. And yeah. I'm very excited, especially for the casting. I mean, just the glimpses of Danny McBride seems like really, really and good casting. Catherine um, Waterston, who yes. looked like she was mailing it in in the Harry Potter movie. Yes. Uh, looks very comfortable here yep. as, uh, for, for me at least, uh, a clear recreation of uh, the famous character of Ripley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like when I saw her, I didn't think that she was like necessarily a Ripley new like iteration born anew but like she reminded me of the fact that like this could be this new franchises yeah uh you know heroine to latch on to like you couldn't really with numi repas but i think that was by design like i think if she was ultimately supposed to be a uh you know a victim not a um not a fighter in that way yeah yeah so so I'm, I'm hoping that this new movie really lives up to that trailer cause... before before this trailer came out i i heard the news about the the name of the new xenomorphs that are supposed to be appearing it. And I thought it was fucking stupid. But then I actually saw what I, I believe it actually looked like actual um, photos of what the new xenomorphs looked like. And I'm like, Oh, I'm excited. I haven't looked at it since then. Cause I just want to like forget about it and have it like be a vague impression until I finally see it back on the screen again. But I'm just like, I'm really digging this. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. If and it could... looks like it's going to be a, a hard R movie, right? Unlike Prometheus. Fuck. Or was Prometheus R? Yeah, yeah it was. But... but it wasn't like hard R, like, like the original right. alien movies that kind of like scare yeah. the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think, yeah. I think so. Okay. Uh, absolutely. But this will definitely be another R. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it was a Red Band trailer, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. I mean, that final shower scene yeah. is just like, hey. Mm-hmm. And that one in the infirmary. With the guy's yeah. back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was... We didn't see it happen, but we know what happened. Hey, man, that's some of the absolute best horror out there. Yes. Yeah. Things you don't always see. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. When you're in that kind of situation, you know, and you're, like, telling yourself, don't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Other uh, absolutely fabulous trailers. Um, I have to say, like, there are some films that I'm not interested in at all, and I thought the trailers were fantastic. Not saying that it, it, it's not a film I'm looking forward to, because I am. Uh, but the Logan trailer was fabulous. Uh, the uh, Luke Basson Valerian trailer was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, even though I feel like that whole story looks like it's just taking things from so many different franchises. Don't go to a Luke Basson movie for the story. How many yeah. times do I have to That's tell fine. you? I mean, to be, cool. to be fair, Valerian is actually based off of like a famous French comic book that sort of in 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 the way that 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 a lot of um, French like science fiction media has sort of been sort of the silent um, bedrock of a lot of really iconic things since then. Like, but I got the, uh, like the feel I got from watching that trailer other than I really enjoying whatever it is I am watching was, Oh, why are there so many 
bad George Lucas Star Wars characters here. I, I would like to know why. I'm just old. Like I just I just I, I just reduce it to why is there so much shit on the screen? I don't know <laughs> what I'm supposed to like focus on. And because well, you're only using ten percent of your brain. Oh. God fucking damn it! You could, no stop. If there was but, a stop pill, or if there was you know, I gotta say drug. we've we've seen so many films that have just failed. Uh, using CGI to its best ability. And you see here a film, uh, I, I don't want to put it in the same kind of esteem as a film like Avatar, which pretty much went as far as you possibly could go using CGI and made a lot of... Oh, no. Well... <laughs> there will be more. You're going to get three or four more. I get it, but yeah. when you're talking about right, seven right. years ago. But this looks like it is just embracing using CGI and trying to make it look quality yeah now again uh your two actors in this are people who i don't think are very talented so no they're basically cgi people <laughs> and so I, no actually i like dane don uh but yeah the other one the other one <laughs> of that one. the body person. dancer from yes uh, yes from suicide squad a lot of good Chantress. uh-huh a lot of good trailers though so uh things to, to look forward to for next year for sure. Oh, but we haven't talked about the one trailer. We haven't talked about Blade Runner. Mm. There's oh. not a lot there, but <laughs> I'm re- I really enjoy it. It's yeah. really good. Nice. I am uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to come out of that. I'm absolutely terrified. Um, but I'm excited. So, we'll see. Um, I have to tell you that I uh we we mentioned this when we talked about Christopher Nolan. But Denis Villeneuve's name is widely used in the uh, in the Blade Runner trailer. Yeah, that's true. Which I was actually a little surprised about because yeah. I know that um, Arrival, uh, a lot of people really enjoyed that film, and I did as well. But I didn't love it like a lot of people did. Um, but uh, I did not think that he was a big name like that to be used in that way in a trailer. And then you hear the news too. Might be just that, knowing its audience, like could be knowing that. The, the the idea then that he's going to helm the uh, the Dune project. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's, that's crazy. That's mm. something. Yeah. Mm. So, but yeah, that trailer um, it withholds it, it withholds a lot, which is which is great for mm. for trailers that shouldn't really have a hard time selling their audience yeah. of who's going to go see it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I'm hopeful for 2017. But I was hopeful for 2016, and we ended up having a uh, <laughs> red-haired crazy person in the White House. So, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. Speaking of the White House, uh, I think we should move on to talking about the two films we're going to mention today. Yeah. And uh, Fences does not involve the White House, I do believe. As a white fence. Nope. Is the fence white? Mm, yeah. Is the fence, uh, is it a big star in Fences? Like, wait, what? <laughs> is the physical fence a star of the movie Fences? Oh, no. The whole thing is that it takes him forever to build a fence. Ah. Well, he's black. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Huckleberry Finn bullshit? <laughs> Huckleberry Finn! <laughs> the Adventures of Tar Baby over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking myself at Tucson could just give her opening remarks on Jackie and then. Yeah. You could tell us a little no, bit. No, I'll tell you what I think about Jackie, too. Oh, good. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. Just like you did with so many other films that you haven't seen. Fantastic. That's my specialty. Yeah. And then you could talk about Fences. Yep. And then we can just kind of just talk in general about yeah, these yeah. two films and 
you know, maybe talk a little more about... Hey, we can ask questions. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Who's Jackie? <laughs> so, Jackie uh, centers Jackie? <laughs> okay, a- okay. around Jackie Kennedy uh, and pretty much stays in the neighborhood of the days following uh, the president's assassination, although it does involve quite a few flashbacks to other parts of her life that led up to... Um, the assassination. Can so, I ask a real question? Yeah. Is Does it anybody... actually a real question? Yes, it is. Yeah. Does anyone ever play JFK in this movie? Yes. yes. Okay. That's what I was just yeah. And uh, he's not as... He, he doesn't really look like JFK. He's okay. Looks, he's close okay. enough. He's, he's a close enough. He's Who is it? So, is it anybody? He, no, oh, no, no, it's not no, anybody not okay. really know. Now... That's, uh, who plays Bobby Kennedy, his brother, mm. and was absolutely fantastic, oh, is yeah. Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. Oh, that's who he uh, Who oh, was okay. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but Bobby, uh, Bobby was always better. <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. Ugh, my bad. Casper <laughs> Philipson uh, is the guy who plays, uh, and he's not a person you'd really know mm-hmm. as a household name. But that being said, um, yeah, that's for the most part what this film is, though. It's not... There's not really much to it in terms of plot or or that. This is a film that is really based around... Emotion. <clears throat> emotions are the biggest part of the film. Yeah. And it's based around trying to tell... Like the Emoji movie. Sure. Trying to tell this... Don't this ever compare sort of, film of this. <laughs> sort of story, because uh, that's the problem, is of whenever you watch a film like this, knowing what's fact, what's fiction, um, which is perfectly makes sense surrounding uh, the Kennedys who are just all over the place in terms of what is real about them and what is fabricated, um, which ultimately is what I think this film truly accomplishes is that it creates this sort of biographical feature, but also at the same time tells you more of the story about the creation of this media friendly it's an, presidency. It's an analysis of myth making. Yes. Yeah. Which is the Kennedys for all of their faults slash all of their great things that mm. they did as a family of a political poli- party. Yeah. A, and a they political went, dynasty. Yeah. They ended up trying to become and it, it is so much created by they just happen to be good looking people that were able to use the media and make people know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, and much. they just created this incredible sort of larger-than-life aura around them that still, for the most part, exists today. Yeah. Um, and I, I think being first is really what makes them so memorable because they are really the first group of people, and JFK, I think, is the first real person that embraced the idea of being on TV and being seen and being available it, to most people in a way that we had never seen it before. It may sound crude, but people. we wouldn't have the Kardashians without them, so to speak. I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, as far as, like... He was the personality president. He was the... Yeah. Like, he, like, but I'm talking about the family at large. Yeah. yeah. Like, the idea that their celebrity-ness uh, is more than just your average celebrity, and you wanted to hang on their every action movement. and Right. Yeah. Yeah. But... At the same time, um, you look back at JFK, and there are a lot of things that uh, he did that were not great. There were things that he did that ended up, yeah, 
Marilyn Monroe. Uh, there are a lot of things that he did. It in was his, his birthday. <laughs> in his presidency did that spawned off into totally new ventures. Uh, Quagmire of Vietnam and other shit like that. That was not necessarily where I was going. I was more going for going to the moon, yeah. uh, which was partly his brainchild mm-hmm. in terms of pushing that as far as he did. Um, but yeah, this film does center around uh, Natalie Portman playing Jackie Kennedy, clearly giving an Oscar Beatty performance, and I don't necessarily think that she's wrong. I thought she got put on a very good performance, even though I don't necessarily think that this is a amazing movie. I think uh, her performance is is worth noting. It, her her performance, I think it it obviously carries this this entire film. And one of the things that I like a lot about this film is that it's so hard to pinpoint where it ends and where it begins just with sure. the, the actual structure of it. Obviously it orbits around Jackie Kennedy in the immediate moments after JFK's uh, assassination and the beginning of the, the next presidency and her trying to like tend to just trying to clean house in, in sort of a way and to, to, reconstruct her life yeah if i could say really quickly too um i am always a proponent of this but um in films that involve historic like major historic events Mm -hmm. often that actual event doesn't end up occurring on screen but this film absolutely embraces that and and it and and it's not something that i was necessarily anticipating um it, in, in terms of the depth that it goes into because like yeah. you see his head explode yeah yeah you you do and and, and it, you it, see her reaching back and picking up the brains yeah as you have the secret service person diving on the car and them going from three miles per hour to 70 flying down the highway and it is and somehow it doesn't feel and I don't know. I was like, I can't say. If, it, if, I, if I can't it, say that it's gratuitous because it just seems like it's. There's, the film is is tackling something so much bigger than just that initial blow. It's it's, it's talking yeah. about like the void that a person leaves. Like it, like to think that when when, when she's writing in when, when when Jackie is writing in the hearse with um with Bobby with uh, the the corpse of of JFK and she asks the driver who these different presidents were because she's asking for the, for the sake of like, what were they remembered for? And it's like, do you know who Abraham Lincoln is? Like, yes, I do. It's like, what do you do? He's like, he ended the, the civil war and he, he freed the slaves. Like, yes, thank you. And she's really asking for, for her own interest. Like, what will my husband be remembered for? Well, no, it really was to affect how they were going to have his funeral take place. Yeah. Like how he would be remembered the easiest and how that final procession, uh, would and that's why they involve so much of Abraham Lincoln in there because she mentions all the other presidents who were assassinated who no one could remember who they were. Yeah. So, but but this 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 film is so I and, and I and I and I just hooked into this, but I but but I it it just escaped me for a second. I'm just trying to like wheel it out again. It's like the okay now it's back. Okay, so the reason why I really like this film and I think that this film's subject is so potent to me particularly is like i i'm i'm sort of like a like a like a half in half out like history like like buff i like reading about history and other things like that i've never really read jackie's story i've heard about jfk being assassinated i've never really thought to look up jackie for whatever reason it just never interested me but this really resonated with me in in a way because it's 
it's so devastating not only on a personal but also on a political and on a global level to for on on, on the personal level to to be a, a woman who has lost her husband in such a a dramatic and terrifying and personal way not not hearing my husband got shot she didn't have to hear that her husband got shot she saw her husband get shot and caught him and caught him and caught his body but even that is like to but to be the public. the first lady yeah to be the first lady of a of a major superpower and and how do you take your time to grieve do you grieve in public do you grieve in private or what's the decorum for this because the when 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 she's naming off the names of those those presidents that have happened it's like I've actually looked back it's like a lot of their their assassinations, their deaths are separated by lifetimes. Who can she look to? Who can she talk to? Who's ever had a personal experience like this? This doesn't happen. Like, like she had. Like it, it makes it even more like, like, well, s- like supreme and, and, and more fascinating to see how she carried herself afterwards. What 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 I what I, another thing that I absolutely love about this film, and again, it's not a, a perfect film in a stretch, right? But it is. A very interesting delve into the importance of people like Jackie Kennedy and the Kennedys just in general mm-hmm. of of how her the way that she went about the funeral arrangements and everything following that and being worried about legacy and thinking, oh, well, you know, me just obviously wasn't alive during that time thinking, oh, yeah, obviously this is one of the biggest murders in the history of the United States and then I think the day after we saw the film saying, boy, would I have thought that if the Kennedys hadn't pushed this enormous um, moment on everybody following that and, and just creating, for the most part, a, a, a circus, as, as I think even uh, – what's his name? Billy Crudup. And by the way, their conversations were absolutely fantastic yeah. between him as, as the news reporter and her yeah. telling her side of the whole story. He he pretty much mentions that it was just this enormous spectacle that she created for her husband's funeral. Yeah, I I, I think that to that I think it would still be a huge. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It, would, it would still be oh, a huge yeah. thing. Is like just sure. not only given it's, but, but, it's head of state, but also at the time I mean, of what was going is, on is, at that is, time. Is there a bigger overall from the time modern U.S. till now? Is there a bigger killing death? That has taken place in the United States and, I, uh, of a single person. I, I don't think so. I think I remember like the first U.S. senator who was killed as part of the uh, the Jonestown massacre, but that wasn't on American soil, obviously. But I, other than that, like when it comes to the deaths of presidents, I maybe just this just says something about me. I don't remember ever seeing anything about Reagan's death or his funeral or Nixon's death in his funeral. But I remember things about JFK's well, I mean, death and funeral. They, they weren't, they weren't assassinated. Well, I know, I, was, I know, yeah. I know they I weren't assassinated, say, but okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was worried that I was going to say something I'm, I'm talk- stupid. I'm, no, 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 no. I know, I know you're not. I thought you were going to say they weren't no, 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 no. I, I, I'm totally cognizant of the fact of, okay, of, of was, the way that they died. I'm just saying I that gotcha. it's still the death of the head of state. It's sure. like there's just not as much. When I talk to people really quick, yeah. uh, older than myself, who lived in this time period in which they were obviously alive and it's occurred, mm-hmm. um, the, I only hear about two deaths um, 
completely, not just presidential, but just two yeah. people that died, uh, that they remember where they were. And mm-hmm. it was JFK and Elvis. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think those are, like, the only two, like, iconic deaths, where were you moment. And I think part of it's because we're not going to see that kind of thing again because no matter what happens, unless something more fucked up than what happened in JFK happened because we live in the age of social media, so... It's immediacy. Right, like, we're already going to be at that moment, whereas, like, we don't, like, hop into a bar and order a drink and then see on the TV kind of thing. Or, as my mom said, like, a whole department store closed the register that she was in. You know what I mean? We're not going to get that kind of thing when they heard Elvis died or whatever. Hmm. So, uh, not Elvis. JFK was that one. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, yeah, not Elvis. But those are the two, and obviously Elvis, I don't think, was as big as... JFK. Yeah. Right. But it, this it, it's a huge obviously major moment no matter how you slice it but still this film showing that uh showing the other side of her which is having almost like a, a breakdown moment. Again, another wonderful performance put on here by John Hurt playing the priest. He was a functional role in in, in oh. the way of I look I really like John Hurt but I'm just saying like he he, no, I mean, he, his character right. is, is, for the most part, just another priest, but yeah. his performance, I thought, was quite right. good. Yeah. Um, the, the, this idea of her saying that the, all she's ever wanted ever since the day he died was to die as well, yeah. and at the same time, um, also having the soul breakdown moment basically saying, oh, I haven't really been with my husband for so many she years. She was cognizant of, of some of the things that we may... Now in in hindsight, like know of sure about JFK, yeah. yeah. So is it? Um, this overall is just such a a interesting film. Um, I thought some of the cinematography was absolutely terrible, and some of it was was really good. Yeah. Um, so that really tells me more about the cinematographer <laughs> than anything that they could be quite good, but they don't really have all the talent. I like the that. final shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm only laughing because I was going to say, did you find at least the assassination scene was well shot? <sighs> I, <laughs> um, mm. And I have to say... Uh, I'm proud of you, but not, I'm also very upset. <laughs> not necessarily um, closing up, but two things I wanted to mention about this that I, that I clearly wanted to mention, other than Natalie Portman giving a, a really solid performance here. Um, I don't know if she'll easily win the Oscar because I think she does have quite good competition this year um, from, from quite a few people, but I, I do think she probably will be the favorite, if I had to guess. Whether her performance is, I haven't seen it, but as good as it is or as good as it's not, whatever, uh, the genre itself does not hurt its chances. Like, and the idea of her playing Jackie Kennedy, right. too. That, yeah, is, the whole historical biopic yeah. uh, and for that figure. Yeah. And she does put on a, a very good performance yeah. as well. That's what I mean. Like That's always then just icing on the cake when sure. it comes to awarding that kind of thing. Um, three things, I guess, I want to mention there. I said there were two, but there were, there were three. Uh, there was this repeated sort of... Um, thing that the film kept going back to was, was this motif. No, because it was just one event that they kept showing in different parts, which was her going through the house and showing the White House off on this TV special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Which I actually got kind of tired of by the end of the movie. (laughs) Um, I just thought it was getting kind of limp and boring. Uh, But But it's also kind of a – I mean, look, I've I've read about that. Like That was actually a crucial part of her legacy of being the – 
the first lady who used the medium of television to show the American people something that they had never seen before, which was the many annals that is that of, of the White House, the well, People's House. I will admit the the Kennedy administration had a fascinating uh, backlog of just assets to uh, camera crews and such. Um, the Criterion just put out a set this year called the Kennedy Films uh, mm-hmm. by Robert Drew and Associates, and oh, wow. I, I own it, and I watched all four videos that were on it. Um, and all of them were videos that aired on television, uh, specifically, I think, ABC. And they were one-hour specials in which Kennedy gave uh, Robert Drew, who became like the godfather of documentary filmmaking, like what we think of a documentary, he mm-hmm. invented that format, so to speak. Okay. Um, and these were just all access pass, you, like the camera going going from room to room in the White House, where you see Bobby on the phone with lawyers, and then in the next room, uh, John is just sitting down, kind of whatever, and you see very candid conversations between uh, JFK and Bobby's daughter, and um, you know, so uh, that's actually a pretty prevalent thing in that administration that I'm fascinated by. So you saying that that's in the, and I know that's with this, in this case, as Jackie's yeah. involvement, but that makes me want to see the movie even more, because mm. I'm, I'm always fascinated by No, and, that. and uh, there is an interesting um, trying to link the actual actual scenery of it mm-hmm. up with the created film, which sometimes it feels like it works okay, and sometimes it feels a little odd. But... Yeah, I'm a little touch and go when it comes to that kind of filmmaking like yeah. Moneyball and uh, mm-hmm. didn't that kind of do that same thing where you had, bit, the yeah. actors were playing baseball but then it kept cutting to, to like, the, actual, the actual game yep. um, I, I always think you should pick one or the other yeah um, I think this feels more like trying to use the the actual audio from it okay um, so it's not quite as quite as okay. crazy as that yeah. the other two things I wanted to definitely hit on uh, the one moment uh, when she is speaking with Billy Crudup, and this is early on when she's told him, anything I tell you is off the record mm-hmm. until you tell, till I tell you it can be on the record. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she basically gives the entire feeling and how this was happening in her head, and all of the emotions are just pouring out. She's crying. She's mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette. And before this happened, she says, oh, I'm guessing you're wanting to ask me what the what the bullet sound what the bullet sounded like mm-hmm. describe what the bullet sounded like he doesn't respond at all and then she gives this whole thing and at the end she says oh i bet you were wondering or i bet you were going to ask if you can print that and uh, absolutely you cannot and then his response is oh really i just want to know what the bullet sounded like hmm. right after that which it then cuts to the scene, and you as the audience hear the bullet yeah. right after that, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. And you see the, the actual yeah. like, sedan. Is like, yeah. Uh, and then uh, it's actually not necessarily my favorite part of the film, uh, but I think the film really hits its message really strongly in a somewhat interesting way. Uh, when the very end of the film is her riding in a car and seeing the department stores putting out her dress yeah. uh, on mannequins in the front and her having this really peculiar slight smirk yeah. as she's obviously taking some liking to people wanting to be like her. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just um, I thought that was, was quite good and quite encapsulated uh, what this entire film was trying to do. So It's the... Uh... The inadvertent aftermath of myth-making. Yeah. Sort of that way. The whole um, quote about there will always be a Camelot. So, mm. Yeah. And using the song, too. That was also great. That was great. Uh, my wife, Emily, 
absolutely loved uh, the first use of that song, which was in the scene of her trying on all her different dresses through the White House and smoking and drinking and taking um, over or not over the counter, but prescription medication. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How about uh, this, too, uh, which is an interesting thing that I actually had never thought about up until this. Uh, but it is quite interesting. Um, how about the fact that her husband was just murdered and she just got kicked out of her fucking house and like, she has to leave. Yeah. It's pack like, your shit. The yeah. new person has to move in. Uh, I Johnson. Yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> when, when, you, when you say it like that, but I can totally understand it. Like, and I think that the character of Jackie totally understands it, that it's, it's a, it's it's more of an honorific home. It's like she she says herself. Yeah, but like, still, when you when like every first per, first lady needs to be prepared to pack their suitcases. Yeah, yeah. But and the holiday isn't nice. I mean, God damn it. I mean, like seriously, they're yeah. almost like you need to get out. Like yeah. they want to be in here, All right? So yeah. if yeah. you could just, they, so. need, they need to find the drapes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we've kind of really talked about the film and didn't get into fences, so I think we'll just close our yeah. little discussion, then you can talk to us about the Denzel Washington. Please. And I'm curious. Viola Davis film? Correct. Yeah. So give your rating, Tucson, and, uh, and I'll give mine. Um, I think I would give this a uh, three and a half out of five. Okay. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm actually looking forward to seeing it again, actually. It's like, I thought it was a really good film. Um, I would recommend it. Yeah. yeah. I actually also thought this was a very good film that uh, probably was never going to be great. Yeah. But uh, I still think what it was trying to do, it did very well. And uh, if it does end up winning Natalie Portman uh, a second best actress uh, Oscar, Golden Globe, any nice. sort of award, um, I, I don't necessarily think that would be the wrong choice uh, after seeing this film. Um, but it does make me want to see more Pablo Loren films. Was a director who I, I've never seen any of his work prior to this. He had so. another movie that came out just this year mm-hmm. that got even more praise called yeah. Neruda. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, but I, I think uh, he did some some quite good work here. And I have to say, uh, the idea that this film originally was supposed to be Darren Aronofsky and I think Rachel Weisz's oh. uh, Jackie. Hmm. Um I'm, I'm glad it wasn't either of those. So. Yeah. But there definitely are feelings throughout this film of a Darren Aronofsky film. So I mm. think he somehow had some sort of a, of a footprint somewhere yeah. in, in here. Because he is still technically a producer in the film. So, okay. But yeah, this definitely had uh, a little bit of a Darren Aronofsky feel to it. Well, it was so. written by the guy who wrote The Maze Runner, The Scorching Trials or whatever. Wow. Yeah, did you know that? No, that's but great. now I do. That's great. Yeah. Or at least one of them. I don't know which one. Oh, I think the, the one that trials. killed that one kid? Probably. Okay. Jesus. So yeah, three and a half out of five for me. I think this is a, a quite good film, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I will probably purchase this when it comes out. I, I have that much much praise for it, but uh, yeah, this is never going to be a film that rises up to a, to a perfect rating, because it does definitely have its problems as well. So Nick! Fences. Uh, it's a film that's gotten uh, not a lot of talk, but definitely um, people are, you know, 
interested to see it. And yeah. Swing for them. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's hear about oh, it. Oh, that is a <laughs> that is a metaphor that is touted in the in the script uh, over and over. Of course. Uh, baseball is a very big component of the movie, not for actually playing it, but for. Uh, yeah, I'll get into that in a little bit. But overall, um, Fences is in that category of movies that are based on plays and, like, it shows. <laughs> you know, like, the movie takes place almost exclusively on the front back porch or in the kitchen of this one house. Uh, uh, and the movie itself, for anyone who doesn't know, because the story is essentially the most important part of it, uh, it's about a patriarch who's kind of slowly suffocating the life out of his family. Uh, he's slightly he's slightly everything. He's slightly alcoholic. He's slightly abusive uh, and slightly this and that. And it makes him that he's then just severely a bad person. I mean, um, what I loved about Fenton's in general was that you can walk away from this movie absolutely hating uh, Denzel Washington's character, um, uh, Troy is his name, uh, and yet you can't walk away from it saying that he's not a human being, that he's not valuable, because uh, there are all these little moments in between all of the bad things that he arguably does uh, that doesn't deserve to be praised, but deserve to be kind of inspected and investigated, and that's what I found fascinated by it. Mm. Um and so, yeah, I, I I really, really enjoyed it. I'm always going to probably enjoy a movie that's just dialogue and nothing else. Um, I will say, if I had problems with this movie before I kind of go into what I really liked about it, uh, I thought the first and the final act were somewhat uh, awkwardly paced. I thought the first 15 minutes was actually really hard to get into <laughs> because I felt to me like Denzel – because you know he directed this movie so i'm sure he had a even though he didn't write the screenplay it was the screenplay itself was written i believe by the guy who wrote the actual pulitzer winning uh play august wilson uh but i'm sure denzel had input obviously as to how it would come to screen and it felt like denzel respects this material so much and for good reason that he didn't want to lose a word (laughs) and because of that the first 20 minutes they are speaking so fast that it was kind of insane to me, mm. like uh, specifically Denzel Washington's character. And I'm talking like nobody in their right mind speaks at that pace for that sustained, you know, uh, moment. So that – and I don't know if I just got used to it or if it slowed down. I think it kind of did slow down because it got more dramatic as it went on. But um, yeah, so the first like 15 minutes, it was almost – I don't know minstrelsy mm. <laughs> um, because it uh, like this is a movie about a black family and that's like I'm not against that obviously no but it, but the first 20 minutes was like Denzel like and exaggerative I, and, black yeah, family like he was like yeah. throwing her like the first thing you hear is a story about a watermelon and how a black yeah. man was trying to hide it and because he was scared of he, the stereotype and, yeah. and if that in of itself is kind of subversive mm. but it's also followed up by um, Denzel not being able to catch a breath because he has to talk like a certain way and I'm not going to do an impression yeah. but yeah. and him saying the n-word every other but and which, he also had a tweet in the movie about Carrie Fisher he did he did oh lord and um and I, <laughs> oh lord but I'll say this as the movie went on is, his, there, is there a barbershop in this movie no there's not oh okay like I said it's exclusively almost always at the home okay so um that's good and yeah. I think <laughs> as the movie goes on his performance gets better and more nuanced which is almost maybe on purpose uh, uh, and so that definitely faded away um, and the only other complaint I really have was I thought the 
last act of the movie, not necessarily the the climax because that kind of happens before, but the last like twenty minutes was I thought very poorly paced because it was the first time it became apparent that this was based on a play, not because it was. Uh, like obviously, it's apparent throughout the whole thing because it's so dialogue heavy and it's one setting. But we literally get to the last twenty minutes, and all of a sudden, uh, f- uh, metaphorically, the lights keep going on and off because they have to keep skipping forward in time, and it got really awkward because they weren't doing that before. And on the stage, that works because you're turning those lights off anyway, just in between regular scenes, you know. But when they started to do that toward the end, it got really choppy all of a sudden and to a point where it had diminishing returns because every time the lights came back on, and I, what I'm referring to are just fade-ins, fade-outs, but every time uh, it did it, it started to lose its effect because it had multiple ending syndrome simply by the way it was presenting itself to yeah. the audience. Um, something uh, I'm always interested about, and uh, films do this quite often, but films that are bla- based on theater works that try really hard to incorporate the theater into the film, not saying that this is, but try to keep that feeling of, of being and seeing the theater and that kind of thing. What's your feel on that? Because whenever I've seen that, I've the way thought, this movie does it or no, the just way... in general. Oh, I love it. Okay. Like the, it doesn't mean I think all the time that, like, if it does it, it's automatically a masterpiece or anything like that. But, I mean, one of my all-time favorite movies is Dogville, which is a literal theater. Like, you are watching something that's never been performed on stage. Like, it's not an actual play. But and yet, intended for stage. But it's intended for stage on film hmm. uh, with no set dressing. And so that's, like, if, if I love that, then I love any actual, I would say, more palatable version of that. Um, but, no, like, the more you kind of like confined and, and literally don't leave this room and or literally uh have characters like turn off the light and really kind of capture i mean i love spalding gray monologue movies which are literally just a man on a uh, stage talking um so i'm, I'm and, all and then you it. have other other films that, that do more physical elements like birdman or something like that yeah no and, and i like that as well yeah. and uh and so yeah i mean i love all kind of angles you can take uh for that kind of theatricality um, this movie, I would say one thing I really liked about it was Denzel's direction. Hmm. I was surprised. Like I thought he would be kind of make the, uh, in my opinion, easy mistake that a lot of longtime actors, first time directors do, which is try to prove themselves as a director and include things that are unnecessarily flashy or whatever, because they have connections. So they can probably find a cinematographer or somebody who can pull off what they want but kind of go all out. He doesn't do that at all. And in turn, it made me appreciate the cinematography more and the um, uh, the editing for the most part. No, in fairness, this isn't the first film he's directed. Is it not? What he also else directed Antoine Fisher in 2002. He did that. And The Great Debaters in 2007. Oh, well, no so. one cares about those. Okay. Well, okay, oh, good. I forgot about that then. Okay. Um, I swear I've been seeing people say for That's interesting. Well, they are. Yeah. Incorrect. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, then it's not his first time, and it, then it shows because I thought it was very well done, very tasteful, to the point where he was actually, I thought, selling this material as far as being so dialogue-heavy extremely well to an audience and kind of making them forget that that's what they were. He was having the characters get up, go to other rooms at very organic times and mixing it up with what he had. So I thought that... That he did a great job, to be honest. Yeah, the the 
um, starring character being the director is always something that I feel is way hit or miss. Yeah. Like, I feel like for every uh, Ben Affleck and Argo, you have five bad performances by oh, yeah. a, a director playing the lead actor in their own film. Absolutely. And Birth of a Nation. Yes. <laughs> God. Yeah, and so overall, I mean... Um, Go back to the story. Uh, I thought Viola Davis was definitely the standout here, and if she she is in pretty much everything she does, isn't she, she is, and yet it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because she is actually pretty good, and mm. I think she's really, really good at these kind of commanding performances in roles that are thematically diminished because that's what she's so good at. She's basically good at in this very movie playing a character who's been kind of abused, but mostly just kind of put to the side and that's what the ultimate tragedy of her character is and then she gets to command the entire scene you know in the climax and and remind the audience and you know the main character that you know they've been there the whole time and that they deserve to be treated with respect and all that kind of stuff um i gotta say i absolutely because i never seen the play before or read the script and i kept waiting for the character of troy to get redeemed or to and i was very surprised i won't say necessarily how it ended but this movie does not try to sell troy to its audience uh in any mainstream way uh shape or form i was very very uh glad because every time i kept thinking okay so this is where we'll get the scene where troy will say something nice and it'll feel really cheap or hokey. Nope. It'll become Santa Claus yeah. like in the episode of The Twilight Zone. Yes. <laughs> and I gotta say that only made me like Troy the character more because it made him seem more human. I could see him in people I know and say yeah ultimately they're their own worst enemy and uh, even though they're being dicks to everybody else, it's probably because they hate themselves the most. And uh, and I and I kind of love that theme. Um, yeah, Denzel has experience playing those kind of characters. He does he does? Um, and the other thing I got to say is that I absolutely loved um, what the what was the guy their said? kid? No, yeah, he was okay. Okay, he's like an integral part, but he's also not. It, it's Troy's show, and that's also thematically true because he doesn't really let anyone have a say in anything else. Um, um, I, I know you're going to go, so, so continue with that. If you had something to say, I was going to ask you a yeah, question. Yeah, go. Uh, you had mentioned that that baseball has relevance here. I yes. Was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit. So on that. one of the things, um, one of the reoccurring themes in this movie is that uh, Denzel Washington's character of Troy is uh, a person who is angry. Angry about a lot of things and angry about his place in the world. And one thing he's angry about uh, uh, is sports because he, at the age of 50-something, not a long time ago, but about 15 years prior, he was like in his late, er, no, early 40s, he was a very good baseball player. But he didn't make any major league teams and he thought that was because he was black and he liked to say that a lot. And a lot of characters in this movie point out they have black baseball players now. It's the 50s, you know, Jackie Robinson, and of course he says, Jackie Robinson, what? He was horrible, whatever. And so he has this whole the world's out to get me uh, plea. And so his whole thing was that he laments about that era in his life and how that's the reason why he never went anywhere uh, when really it was probably just because he was too old. And because that's his biggest problem is that he's always just too late to the plate uh, for a lot of the things that he might be good at. And so running concurrently with these frustrations is the fact that his son is an up-and-coming football player, and he will not let his son have an inch uh, to go anywhere with that. Which is bizarre, because usually 
the feel I feel in general is parents try to live through their children. Oh yeah, no, no, this I is... don't want my child to surpass me. Well, well, that's of course what the kid called him out on at some point during the movie. But mm-hmm. no, this is a man who is so petty that, and and here's the thing: it warps his worldview because it's not so much that he 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 is. He thinks he's deliberately fucking with this kid. It's not like he's like, well, if I can have it, he can't. He thinks, well, if they didn't let me have it, then they won't actually let my son have it. You know what I mean? He thinks the world will get his son just as well. So, mm. you know, he says, you know, if you can't do that, then you need to take a real job and do all this, whatever. And, and he and doesn't he end up either considering or going into the military at some point? Or, or am I just totally missing No, that? no, that is, a, that is a thing, too. That's toward <laughs> okay. the end, so I won't necessarily say too much about that decision so so much because I definitely think people should go see it. Um, but then the other thing I was going to say was I love the portrayal of race in this movie because this is a, a movie that's centered around an African-American family and it brings up race a lot because uh, <laughs> that is a very big uh, thing. And what I love is that this portrayed it, and I'm sure this is why the play won the Pulitzer, is because it portrays it in such a complicated and uneasy-to-talk-about way. Not uneasy to talk about because it leaves you speechless, but uneasy to talk about because to have a discourse with a character like Troy uh, will just bring you to dead ends. Because a lot of things that Troy says are not untrue. You know, he laments that a black person has to work twice as hard as a white person to get where they're going, and he, you know, and he laments that this and that and whatever, and it's like all these things are true, but he's trying to prove uh, problem A with solution B. Mm. And um, it's the the fact that these things have no correlation that ultimately is his greatest fallacy. And the fact that, I, I don't want to say like reverse racism, but in a lot of ways he's racist against whites, and I was kind of surprised that this movie would actually kind of display that, mm. uh, you know, bluntly, because most of the people in his life don't take him seriously and basically say, uh, yeah, that's not why you didn't get this or didn't get this. And, and I won't spoil it, but the one thing that everybody calls him out on, that a white person is probably going to do something bad uh, against him, when it's, like, and that seems like a predetermined conclusion, <laughs> that is the one time in which the white person does something very nice for him. <laughs> and, it, and it's not hokey. It's just like he's so set in his ways that he can't conceive uh, a of world. Of this possibility. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually absolutely love that. And it, it made uh, all the characters in this thing uh, much more richer for that. Um, and it was it was just very interesting to watch. Uh, mm. uh, by the time it was over, I was just extremely glad that I had seen it. Um, one subgenre of drama that I love is movies about parenting just in general. Mm-hmm. And this was absolutely, that's probably the main the main thing in this movie, um, in more ways than one, one spoilery way too. Um, and so for that reason alone, I, I love when I go see a movie like this and I start to dissect whether they're a good parent or not. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend it. Uh, it's not perfect. I think, um, it successfully makes a jump from stage to screen, but, um, there was a few things that maybe could have been done without, because I think there's something to be said that you don't always have to be a hundred percent faithful if it's not in the best interest of the film itself. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think Denzel just loves this play too much and I can understand why, uh, cause it's got a lot of great stuff in it. Um, so ultimately I don't fault it for that, but it doesn't make me love it. So I, I'd give it three and a half out of five. Wow. Think, we've oh, all wow. gotten the old yeah. two rating. On Look at that. Uh, Look at that. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and and strap in because it's the Denzel Washington vehicle, and it's the first time in a while I think that he's been in a very not people pleasing movie. Like it'll start out that way, and then it'll su- surprisingly 
not leave you in a very good place by the end of it. No. Think flight was people pleasing? Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying it has the happiest of endings, but it lets the audience feel good about themselves by the time they leave because of... We're not the people in the movie. Well, (laughs) because the ultimate thing is, obviously, nobody got hurt, and he owned up to his own thing, so therefore he's a good person, and his Mm. son wants to visit him in jail, and all that. It's definitely, if you compare this to that, it's apples and oranges as to what's a positive and what's a negative. Uh, So, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Well, if you have any thoughts on either Jackie or Fences or anything else regarding 2016, 2017 upcoming, you can always send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow. So, a film that uh, we talked about, anticipated films that really just failed uh, this year, uh, one of which involved Ryan Gosling. And next week, we're going to talk about a film that I've been anticipating for quite some time, ever since the first trailer dropped about, eh, let's say, like four to five months ago. Yeah. And uh, my anticipation has only risen, and this film has gotten, for the most part, unanimous critical acclaim so far. I'm very excited to go see it. And that is the Tamian Chazelle film La La Land, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, who for sure are the, like, big on-screen pairing of this generation. generation. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, this is their, I think their fourth. I think the last one was Roberts and Clooney. Probably. I mean, yeah. maybe they weren't as, as many films, but the ones they were in were the yeah. build as, go see this because these two people are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, those people are so cute. <laughs> and Emma Stone isn't playing an Asian character in this movie, so that's exciting. Well, we don't, we Thank don't God. Know. <laughs> we don't know that. Are we sure? <laughs> la la la. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, but uh, Damien Tajel's last film, uh, Whiplash, which was one of our very first episodes, was an absolute fantastic film. God, that movie fucking rocks. I Because it's about music. Yeah. yeah okay. It's about jazz. It's great. That joke is stupid. <laughs> Stupid. Thank you. I like it. Um, So I think we're all, for the most part, looking forward to seeing this. Uh, Various degrees. I know myself and Tucson are very excited. I know, Nick, you're a little more... I just love musicals so much, so I want to love it. You're a little more And And I very well may. You're restrained, though, in your anticipation of it. Skeptical as well, yeah. Prove me wrong. I, I think it might. We'll see. It, it very well could. So that'll be what we'll be talking about on episode 96. So from Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman, and Tucson Egan, thank you, the listener, very much for catching up with us here on FilmTankShow.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And we will catch up with you next time. 